I've got, I'm, I'm hoping that my mouth can get traction to what's going on in my brain. Because I'm, yeah. Uh, I, this is a wonderful day. Um, you know, before I start, I just want to say that, kind of give you a, a Brazilian update. Uh, Daniel and Giselle are on watch notice. The baby could come anytime. If you have never met Daniel and Giselle, they mean a lot to our church. And we've just had, um, it, it just, it's too long of a story to go into, but just say, let me say they were wonderful people. And uh, my daughter thinks so, so much that I kind of blink my head and she goes, by the way, I'm leaving on Tuesday. Where are you leaving? I'm leaving to Brazil. So when will you be back? About a month. A month? So uh, she better be watching. Where's the camera? You better be watching Brooke Miller in Brazil and uh, go to church even in Brazil. And, uh, you know, as we do on Sundays in in my sermons, uh, we do uh, exposition, which we talk about the passage of Scripture for a while, and and hopefully you can even put yourself in the Bible. I mean, just, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the Isle of Patmos, you want to kick out sand out of your shoes after we get done talking. I mean, you're there. That's exposition. And then we do application. We, we ourselves apply ourselves to the Word of God, the, the parallel of what the Word of God is saying over our lives. And then usually I'll give an illustration just to kind of tie everything in to help you remember kind of easier. That, that's a way of kind of building a sermon. Um, today, I don't really have a verbal illustration. I have a, an actual visual, physical illustration of the goodness of God that I'm speaking about. And that is, at the end of the service, we're going to have a baby dedication. Mm. Now, now, some of you go, I've been at a baby dedication and I really don't get it. Why are they so excited about that? Let me tell you, we're going to tell you the story in a little bit of just the favor of God on Bruno and Mavi and, and their, their twins. That's right. Two, two, the God of more than enough. And... Uh, just has blessed the family and you know I, I believe that as children are born into the family into the church that we all take part in just encouraging and loving them and and uh, and that's what we're going to do in their family they are just precious children and uh, we're going to talk about that more later but let me tell you that the the sermon series that we're in uh, this morning, I, I've again asked my lovely wife Gwen to come that's who this is and uh, but and ask her to kind of, uh, you know, you know. Sometimes, gentlemen, you, you you know what you're saying, but the wife kind of knows how to fill in the gaps, and uh, so she's going to do that today. And and kind of, uh, I'm going to hand it off to her in a minute, and she's going to take it home. And so, th- the goodness of God, and that song just came all over me today. Is singing that every breath that I'm able. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's pray. God, you are a, such a good father to us. God, showing us kindness and love. And, and Father, we just thank you for that. This morning, God, as you have placed this sermon again on my heart, that recognition brings revelation. And revelation can bring redemption into our lives. Father, you have redeemed us. Help us to be aware that God, that you have given us everything. Father, today, we pray we give you permission to give us a word 
that will change our life forever. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we've been in the series since July, and now we're in kind of the second uh, position or the part of its season, talking about U-turn. And we, we picked that up last week, and I just want to kind of remind you that and you that weren't here that uh, love, hope, and faith, the greatest is love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And, and when we talk about that, that sometimes we say, well, you know, things like, what is the three words that I, would, I could go back and tell my 15-year-old self? And, you know, those are three pretty good words. Um, but, you know, I'm going to expound on those three words next week in the weeks to come in this series. But let me tell you this. The three words that if you could hold on to, that we've heard them so many times, and depending on how long you've been in the church, Sunday school, children's church, whatever, it sometimes comes in one ear and goes out the other. But here it is. 15-year-old self, get a grip. God loves you. And if we can get a hold of that through our life, it changes everything. Some of you that have been around a little longer than me are going, yeah, yeah, you, you too have, have understood that. In, in previous sermons I've preached on the first week of July, do you know who I am? We are talking about the subject of knowing God. And it, sometimes it goes, you know, like, well, don't we all know? No, you might know of God, but when you have a, a firsthand revelation, you know what I'm talking about, when God comes over you and you begin to understand, you begin to learn who God is, and it always comes to the forefront, this is who God is, He's love. We talked about how the creator of the universe steps into the world and the world does not recognize. They're not aware of who he is. They forfeited the ability to recognize and receive what he came to do. But here's the good news. The Bible says that those who recognize, those who took on his name, he has given the authority to become children of God. Now realize that. That's who you are. If you have put your faith in God, you become a believer, you become a follower of Jesus Christ. This morning I want you to understand there's so much difference in knowing that Jesus was and is your Savior. But today I want you to step into deeper to understand that He can be Lord of your life, that the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself, dwells inside of us as the believer. That He can give us direction and guidance in a world that goes, you know, we don't know what to do. We're not in. And sometimes when troubled times come, everybody wants to, you know, run. But the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life gives us the stability to stand even when everybody else is screaming, everybody is running. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about, can you hear me now? And we're talking about Elijah and running to the cave. Here's a man of God that has no power in the present. Because he's fearful of a queen named Jezebel. Can I tell you this morning, can everybody just grip for a minute that God can take care of our Jezebels? And no matter what the enemy throws at you in fear, you can say, you know what? My God is able. This morning, I want you to see something. Because we're talking about all these subjects. Do you know who I am? Talking about God. Who are you listening to? Because so many times we want to listen to the world, the people in our lives that are not believers. 
and they speak into our ear hole and pretty soon it comes out of our mouth. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what's, what if, what if, what if, what if. Who are you listening to? Then we talked about who are you? We're, we're a warrior. We're, we're, we're the Benaniahs in the Bible that went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. You go, what in the world was that? That instead of being the one that sits back in defense and you know we're, we're watching for the enemy, he was the one that was pursuing the enemy constantly. That's who you are. You're a child of God. This morning, as we talk about the subject of Ruth, we t- just got into the, the very beginning of it last week. And I want to, again, un- to, to get us to not downplay the, the culture of the time and try to bring the story into modern day, and then we downplay it as, oh, that, that wasn't that big a deal. Realize that a woman that is a widow, that is childless, is, is, is close to desolute in their life, poverty as you can be. They have to totally depend on strangers for their provision. There isn't much hope in their life, and, and to their, their understanding, really, life is over. They're just going to try to survive the rest of it until the day that they stop breathing. This is where we see, and, and I hope that you've read Ruth before, and, and if you haven't, uh, I'll remind you during the week, if you're on our Facebook group, the Chapel Assembly Guide, we're all out in front. It's a church picture, and it, that's the one that you want to join, and we'll, we'll accept you. Well, I'll say that. Maybe, maybe. No, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll accept you into the group. And then I post occasionally to remind us to, to read different passages to kind of get us ready. But in the story of Ruth, here is a lady that has a husband and she has two sons and they leave Israel and they go into a foreign country called Moab. And in that country, the two boys marry two ladies from Moab. And the story doesn't end And they lived happily ever after. The story says this, that those two young men die. And the husband of the Naomi, he dies. All the men die in the family. You've got an older lady that's a widow and two daughter-in-laws. But hold the phone, it gets worse. They decide to go back to Israel and one of the daughter-in-laws leaves to go back to Moab. Now, the sermon today, I want you to understand that I'm not making fun of anybody in this uh, sermon. But again, it's not what you know. Sometimes it's unlearning what you've been told that isn't right. Now, here, here is a lady that has been in a foreign country for 10 years and as we talked about last week, the God of the Moabites were very, you know, doom and gloom. He's going to kick you around, use you, abuse you, and all that. And sometimes that even filters, that kind of culture filters into Christianity. Can, can you just get this picture in your mind every time you think God's against you? Look, look at that snapshot. That's not who God is. Sometimes it's been told to you so many times, and I, good many people, maybe, they're just wrong. And here these ladies go home, and you can feel it 
we, and just, just listen to this in a few minutes. There is no happiness. We all, don't kid yourself, we all want to return to a state of happiness in our life. The younger you are, the harder sometimes it is to get to that happy state. Sometimes I'm bored. You ever heard one of your kids say that? I'm bored. What? You've got all the toys in the world. You've got this. You've got ponies. You've got... Ferris go round in your backyard. You've got all the toys. And I'm bored. They want to return to a state of happiness. That's where addictions come in. If we're not careful, the wrong addictions, we begin to, it begins to disintegrate the believer's faith in God. Okay, here we go. There is no happiness in their lives. This morning, you might identify with Naomi or Ruth or both of them. And here, there's no happiness. And you could say there is no joy. Do you know what you have as a benefit if you're called the children of God? The joy of the Lord is our... They have no joy. So this, they have no power where they're at right now in the present. There is no strength in the present. All they can see is... Doom and gloom. Have you ever been around a person that's all doom and gloom? The sky's falling. The sky's... That was a grape that fell on your head. I don't have no idea why you think the sky's falling. Oh. We, we've talked about blessed are those people that look long and expect for the goodness, the graciousness of God in their life. It, their, God's love, His joy, His peace. His, but you know what? A lot of times people position themselves into expecting for the bad things in life to come upon them. A couple weeks ago, I brought out the statement that our problems are not circumstantial, but they're perceptual. And so many times in our lives, if we don't understand this, please recognize it so you can get the revelation. That the enemy has attacked your joy. You have no strength so right now in the state you're in, if you're in that state, you can only see that and you're looking for that. Today is a new day. And the grace of God is going to come over you. We're going to pray over you that that is broken over you. And it's just like the clouds, we're going to pray, roll away in your life. And if you receive the love of God in your life, well, Pastor, I've been in church 20 years. But you might have one month of God in your life. Again, it's, it's always amazed me that somebody that can recognize, boy, the music was a little loud today, didn't recognize, therefore they didn't get the revelation that God spoke one word at them today that could have changed their whole life. They missed it. Music too loud. Can't. Ruth and Naomi... We, we only see a little glimmer of hope, but it, it is pretty dark. They, they, Naomi says, I recognize that God has provided. This is during a time of famine in the land. And now ten years have passed and she gets word that there might be a little bit of God's provision. Can you say provision today for me? Provision. Have that as a power suggestion today. Provision. 
She hears that there's provision back in Israel. They turn around and they go back to Israel. Now again, let me just say this. That so many times that we miss it. But this is the time of judges. And, and I don't have a map for you to look at. But just say, you know, you got the long skinny country of Israel. Here is Bethlehem where they're going to. Right in the middle of it. Right on the side of the Dead Sea. Right? Salt Sea, Dead Sea. Well, Moab is on the other side of the Salt Dead Sea. Now, chances are, this is what's amazing, is chances are when they're going back from Moab to Bethlehem, they're going to have to go up and around and go through the tribe of Benjamin. Now, this is just conjecture on John Miller's part, but if you were here months ago, months and months ago, we did a series right in your own eye, right in your eye, and we talked about in the time of Judges, everyone did as they saw fit in their own eye, and it's a story, it's a horrible story, horrible story, horrible story of... A man that journeys and he stays in a place in the tribe of Benjamin. And they ask for the man to be brought out so they sex can sexually abuse him. And they, uh, the, uh, the host of the home actually takes his concubine and pushes her outside. They rape that lady until she's dead. The... It's a horrible time in Israel's history. This is one of those times, yeah, the Israelites don't want to talk about. I want you to understand, only the reason I say that is this is a dark time and they're traveling as two ladies. Things that we would say is horrible, things that people would say is horrible, things that they would have said is horrible, was common practice. But God's provision begins to even bring them back to the land of Israel. They arrive at the gates of Bethlehem and they stroll in. And the Bible says that it's all a buzz. Bad news travels fast, doesn't it? And, and the, the, the word on the street is, Naomi has returned. And, and the word is that, can that be Naomi or Naomi? Here's where Naomi is. She cannot recognize who God is because of the circumstances are so dark. Again, could be a parallel right now to somebody in this place that's going to get freedom today. Naomi tells the people of the town, don't call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. She says, now call me Mara, which is bitterness. The great one has taken away from... I'm only back with the sh uh, shoes and shirt and clothes on my back that I left with. I, I have nothing. He's taken everything. Do you understand? The circumstances have played into Naomi to speak of God's identity in her life. Your circumstances does not dictate the identity of our God. Realize that. I'm sure the people of the land, some of them were going, Oh, how terrible. Anybody ever felt sympathy? It's totally different than empathy. Somebody that's been there before empathizing with you versus sympathy. Oh, well, maybe she shouldn't have left. Maybe she didn't have all that. She shouldn't have posted on Facebook when they got married, huh? It's a buzz. And Naomi, again, confesses, this is who my God is. She has very little strength. She has very little hope. We talked about last week when there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. John Maxwell said that and it resonates in me. 
when there is no power in the present, you can say it the other way, then there's no hope in the future. So when you begin to look into the future and you have hope, all of a sudden you go, God, hallelujah. I'll talk about that in a second. There's no hope in her life. And then you see where I'm going to say a U-turn takes place. It's a U-turn because in Ruth chapter 2, this is the second chapter, verse 19. And, and Naomi has sent her daughter out to glean. Apparently she isn't strong enough or, or capable of going. The, the, the people of Israel have a welfare system and God has told them when you harvest the field, do not. Pick up every morsel, every grain, you know, combing the field, nothing left. Leave some, especially at the turn, so that those poor people in the country can go and pick up enough to survive. Has anybody got a little bit of favor on your life before? Huh? You know, somebody give you one of those Pentecostal handshakes. I know that, man, I, as a as starting out minister, someone come up and say, bless you. And, and what they gave me wasn't just a, a handshake. There, there was something in there. Maybe a 20. Maybe a 50. Oh my goodness, a 100? Gwen and I, we're going to eat this week. And, and here's the favor of God. Go out and glean from the field so that we can eat. See, it's a, they're used to Israel being in a time of famine. But now that they're back, it is the barley harvest, huh? Isn't it amazing God putting us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people, to bring about all that He has for us? And God, please, when that happens, help us to be aware of that moment. Don't let it just blow by us. Naomi sends her daughter-in-law off. Get some food if you can. Glean from the field. See if you can. The story goes that she comes home and she's got all this, you know, probably in her, in, her, in her robe or whatever she's got on, you know. Maybe carrying a basket. And her mother-in-law, bitterness, Mrs. Bitterness, you know, Lisa said, if God hasn't been faithful, raise your hand. If she was here, she'd be like that right there. Ain't it been faithful to me. But that U-turn is happening right here. And the Bible says that she says, wow, to her daughter-in-law that's brought this home. Where have you been? Whose field have you been in? This is good. This, i got to read this. Her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who noticed you. So Ruth told her, the name of him whom I work today is Boaz. All of a sudden, things are going off in her mind. I know that's gone off in my mind before. Gone on off in your mind. And it's, God, I'm sorry for not being thankful and having hope that you can provide for me. Where have you been? His name is Boaz. And she says this, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be the Lord who has not ceased His kindness to the living and to the dead. Talking about her sons and her, and her husband. And Naomi said to her, The man is a near relative of ours, one who has the right 
to redeem us. Hope begins to sprout right here. The U-turn happens. Now, now the, the word redeem, to purchase back. Let me tell you, I can, let me, can, can you give me a little grace? I can't go there right now. Because it wrecks me when I think about God redeeming us. When we have nothing, we deserve nothing. We can't earn it. But God redeems us. And, and Naomi, bitterness, all of a sudden goes, did you say Boaz? He's a kinsman redeemer. One translation calls a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, as an avenger. The enemy and the circumstances of their life have come hard against them. Just like a lot of you. God says, I come into your life and I can redeem you. If there's no hope in the future, there's no power in the present. Hear me. When we get a revelation of how good God's love is for us, then we understand there's hope in our future. Because here's where it comes. When we understand the love of God and the more that you read it, listen, it's more than realizing at the moment of getting a a revelation of, I feel like a rich man. I don't have any money, but I just all of a sudden feel like a millionaire. I remember this happening in my life. Going in, I've talked about it before, and, and we get to that place where we're going, and I'm not talking about just money. Come on, money in the course of history is the lowest on the totem pole. But wholeness in every area of our life. When you get the revelation of how much God loves you, and, and you say, well, I've never done that. Get out of everything. Just put yourself in total solitude. Just, well, I've tried all this. Try this. Get some worship music and allow that to happen in your life. Because when you get a revelation of the goodness of God and the love of God in your life, then all of a sudden you know that His provision is for your future. And then you put faith that God, I have faith. I don't see it, touch it, taste it. Faith is being sure that things we hope for, certain of the things we do not touch, feel, we can't see it. But we have faith that God, that you will provide in our future. And watch this. The indicator, the dashboard little light that will go off is when you have a well overwhelming feel of thankfulness. That, that's why when you understand worship, it's not a matter of singing, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, merrily, you know, and okay, now you, you know, we got more spirit, yes, we, no, 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 no. When, when you get an idea of how the goodness of God is and it comes over you, let me tell you, you can have all kinds of obstacles getting here to church, but when you get here, you go, ooh, God, thank you. And then all of a sudden, as I've said before, your hands almost get helium. You know, they start floating. God, thank you. The indicator goes off. I'm thankful, God. You might have had problems all this week, but that is in the past. And today, God, I am thankful. I'm going to worship you. 
Because you are good, you will provide. Listen, and when we get to that point of thankfulness, then we step into power in the presence. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. All of a sudden, when, when people see you laughing, what are you laughing about? You have nothing to be joyful about. You can't take it from me. You're talking to the hand right there. Not talking in my life. Now, they're not going to say it that way. But again, the enemy doesn't have to get you to go, I don't believe God loves me. All he has to do, listen, is get you to doubt that he loves you. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. And if we're not careful, we begin to dumb down, downplay the love of God to the point that we can put God in a box and we're not disappointed if He doesn't do exactly what we do or what we want Him to do. I know Gwen is like, tap me in, tap me in. And we're not in a wrestling match. But anyway, let, let me, let me kind of begin my first conclusion before I hand it off. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship. Recreated, catch that, recreated, in Christ Jesus, born anew. See, a lot of people realize, well, I'm not nothing. You are when you become a believer, a child of God. The transformation begins. That we may do those good works which God predestined, He planned beforehand for us. Now here it is. The Holy Spirit speaking in our lives, guiding and directing. Then, the next part says, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. That we should walk in them. Living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now that's up to you if you believe the Word of God or not. I hope that you do. That's why Paul got it. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, let me say it out of a new uh, translation so that it kind of sounds different. And again, the revelation might, the light bulb might come on. Is, you know, I've been talking about it out of NIV that, that Paul says, I pray that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know Christ better, that you might know what you're called to, the, the purpose, the favors on your life for a purpose. And, and he says it this way By having the eyes of your heart, did you know your. Heart has eyes. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope, hope in the future, power in the present, that you might know the hope to which you have been called, that you have called you, He's called you, and how rich is His glorious inheritance in the saints. I love this part in, in this part. His set apart ones. That's the favor of God on you. You're set apart. Can, can I end my passage by saying this? I'm going to read a couple of verses, but sometimes we get to have to understand that favor is not fair. God is a just God. But the favor of God is up to Him. You didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But if you're with me, will you take it? Huh? Ladies, God has put favor on your life. You're out shopping. You know, it always kids me that, you know, women don't deer hunt. No, I don't do that. But boy, they hunt for those bargains, don't they, guys? 
And, and here it is. It's God's favors on you. And, and somebody says, man, that outfit looks good. I got it at a yard sale for $2.20. We try to down down the favor of God. And I go, ah! So God gave me that. Huh? You need sometimes just to pull it. Because have you ever said, people not necessarily likes a favor on your life. And sometimes we're trying to give away some of the things so that they, they'll like us. They're not going to like you anyway. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But I'll take it. It's not fair. That's right. It's disgusting, isn't it? But God's favor is on me. Some of you have experienced the favor of God. Now, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 7, it says... That that he, she she uh, Boaz comes on the scene and says, "Who is this?" and and the, the foreman says, "This is the Moabite lady that came back, taking care of Naomi and all that." So then, this is what's amazing. Let me just bring this out so Gwen can take it home. When Boaz comes, he says, "I want you to stay right here." Pretty much in a in a way of saying it, "I've got you taken care of." I've already told all those young men out there picking, "Don't put a hand on you." Do you know one translation says that no and Naomi will confirm it later. So blessed are we that you have Boaz to protect you, that you won't be raped in some field. See, we know the blessing of the baby coming, but this is a blessing provision all the way to Bethlehem and provision that no harm is coming upon them. Can, can I just put this in just as a freebie? Is sometimes we're not thankful for what we have, but can you be thankful for all the things that should have happened to you that God provided and protected you from? Woo! When she comes and, and, and Boaz says all that, he sa she says, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should notice me when I'm a foreigner? That's sometimes how we feel to God. God, why, why, why would you do this for me? Boaz says to her these words, listen as if God speaking to you. I have been made fully aware of all that you've done for your mother-in-law, all of that since the death of your husband and you have left your father and mother and the land of your birth and have come to people unknown to you before. The Lord will recompense you for all that you've done and full reward by giving you that will be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She says, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. For you have comforted me and have spoken the heart of your maidservant, though I'm not as one of your maidservants. In the message translations, he said, Oh, sir, such grace, such kindness. I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart. You've treated me like one of your own, and I don't even belong here. Do you know, as I come to my final conclusion before I hand it to Gwen, Sometimes that we've been given a little bit of grain off of the corners of the field, favor. And so we begin to look around for those little leftovers. You know what I'm talking about? 
just somebody giving us a little extra at Christmas. Or, or we get a little extra here, or a little extra there, you know. Or just if, if the boss would give us a little, just a little bobo, you know, that's called a bonus. But let me tell you, the transition from chapter 2 to chapter 3, we're going to go into, here is a lady that is looking for the gleaming, and, and, and she doesn't know yet. But the favor of God is going to be on her life that she's going to step into the favor of God and she's going to own the field. Go. <laughs> you know, babe, you're right. The fact that it's a story of favor. I want you to see yourself today in a story, in your own story of favor. God wants to shine his favor on our lives. It's who he is. He, you know, sometimes, John mentioned sometimes people get irritated. It's part of the persecution that comes with the favor and the blessing of God. People look and they, they, they can get irritated. They can get envious. When in reality, there's enough favor to go around. In the story that we see with Naomi at the at the, on the onset, you know, she begins to believe uh, there's an environment problem here. Remember last week we talked about the God of Moab being Chemosh? And he was a hard taskmaster. People saw this leading God, Chemosh. You, you had to do things to pacify him, to make him happy. Well, this environment, the, the whole thought pattern that pervaded their society had become part of what... Naomi began to believe about God. We see it in chapter 1. Well, what happens is when she makes that U-turn, when she turns around and decides, I've got to get back in the right environment. Guys, environment is huge. It matters, the environment that we put ourselves in. So she, she had been in this environment that said, all these harsh circumstances are because you deserve it. Well, what happens after you hear that for a while? Hopelessness. Death and lack were part of her life. And so all of these horrible things, she's beginning to think, well, it's all at the hand of God. So then... With the, the hopeless, harsh circumstances, when she makes that U-turn, there's something amazing that happens. What she had come to believe about God, but was really not true, was the real problem. She had, become to believe, she had come to believe that God had caused all these circumstances. That wasn't true. When she makes the U-turn and goes back, I want you to see a couple of things. John, John mentioned some of these things in our, our story along the way, and I want to bring out a few more. When she gets in the right place, when she heads back to where she can recognize the goodness of God, you know, the psalmist said, I would have fainted had I not believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's where Naomi was. She had lost sight of that goodness. Well, when she turns and she goes back, watch this. What's the first thing that happens? Provision. The first time she goes to glean, provision. John mentioned favor's bigger, though, than provision. And that's what we see developing in the story. It's bigger than just provision. She goes back and she's just got a survival mode. She's just ready to, to be good and, and for her and Ruth to make it. 
But when she gets back in the right environment, in a sense, and here's what I want to say to you as New Testament believers, we carry our environment. We carry our environment. And when we begin to thank God, when we begin to trust him, our environment begins to change. And then it's amazing what favor can open in our lives. When we believe, when we believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so she goes back and she does get provision. That's what she's searching for. But God has something bigger and better. Do you know that God's not just happy with you just having enough? He, he, he's, he's not pleased with you just having your bills paid. For you just to have a little bit of mental clarity. No, no, he wants you so blessed. John said wholeness. He wants you whole. He wants your family whole. Why? It's part of who he is. He's just that good. It's, he's a covenant God. He's a covenant-keeping God. This is all about covenant. What we're seeing here in the life of Naomi and Ruth it's because God wants to reveal his goodness. He's a good, good God. She gets provision. What happens next? She starts getting good ideas. She starts getting good ideas. She says, ah, you found this man named Boaz. Well, and then a plan begins to line out. She gets, we might say, God ideas. The favor of God in your life will cause you to know things you didn't know before. She gets good ideas. She gets God ideas. She gets a plan. And where there's a God plan, there's provision. There's provision. And so she gets provision. She gets God ideas. And then what happens? Overflow. She actually, when, when Ruth gleans and she comes back and she has enough, and then she comes back. Now what does that mean? That means more than enough. She comes back with more. And then... The field belongs to Boaz and eventually belongs to Naomi and Ruth. And then a baby comes. You see, John has, he mentioned last week and this week, this vulnerable society, it was just a, a, a really harsh society that we Americans have to renew our minds and think about or we don't really understand the depth of the story. But there was such harshness for, for these women, and nothing but survival could be their hope. But God had a plan. He had a plan to not only provide for them, but to bless their socks off. You see, God wanted to bring a, a son. You see, it's a big, big plan. It's a big, big plan for you and me. It's not just about you having your needs met, but what was it for these ladies? That they would be in the lineage of the Messiah. What's the big plan? It's not, maybe you're thinking, if I could just pay that bill coming up, if I could just access my healing in this situation, it's a God plan. Yes, he wants that for you, but I want you to think bigger today because what we see in this story is God's full redemption. Full redemption. He brought about a plan so big. See, you're part of a bigger plan, something bigger than just your next need being met. And that's what we see in this story. Babe, are you ready? I want to do this transition. We're going to, we're so excited. Now, let me tell you that the people that we talked about, uh, Ruth and Naomi, Ruth will have a child, and his name will be Obed. Obed will have a son named Jesse, 
And he has this little boy named David. Which will become king. And every king will be according to his standard. Out of David comes the Messiah. Now, I guess I feel the Holy Spirit. When you think about these ladies that had no hope, and Naomi is telling, don't, don't, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. She makes a U-turn to the point that at the end of the story, the ladies come around her and they say, Ruth, your daughter-in-law, has been better than seven sons. Now watch this. They say this. That baby will take care of you in your old age and will renew your youth. Some people believe that Naomi lost more in her story than Job did in his. Where are you today? Because you might be in a place where you felt like you've lost hope. The word is provision. Do you believe that God can provide for you in the future? A happy life? A good life? The story that we're going to tell now is not hearsay. It's a story of personal experience. Years ago, a couple came from Brazil. And I remember they sat right over here. And I went up to meet them like a lot of times I have when you first visited our church. And they told me their names and they smiled and they said, Is this a spirit-filled church? <laughs> I said, Yes, it is. They said, Hallelujah, we're here. They began to believe for the goodness of God in their life. They had hope. Their story goes so long. It is so amazing. Went over to their house for dinner. And I don't think I've ever cried at the table during a dinner at somebody else's house before. But the underlining story was, God has been good to us. This morning, as they have believed for children in their life for over seven years, Watch the faithfulness of God. Let's give them a hand as they come in. <laughs> wow. We're going to need a microphone. Hallelujah. Family, mother and sister. Um, again, coming from Brazil, they had a lot of obstacles. And, and again, when we try to rate somebody else's energy and their joy of the Lord, we go, well, have you known anybody that their house has been on fire and they found a fire escape? You don't go, quit being so excited. You don't know what people have gone through and what they have received the goodness of God. This morning, Bruno and Mavi have asked, can we dedicate our children? You know, as 
a church, we don't believe that a baby is baptized. That's why some denominations believe in sprinkling or baptism. We believe that each individual makes a choice to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The parents do not make the choice for the child. So we as when, when, a, when a child gets old enough to recognize their commitment to God, that's when we encourage them to be baptized. But what we do in our church is we believe that the parents, come on now, have an incredible, uh, important job in raising the child. And they make the commitment to God that they will raise the child in the way of the Lord. If you ever wonder if Bruno and Mavie are there, oh yeah, they've been there and back. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for the children, but especially for the family. That as the Holy Spirit guides and directs them, that they are dedicating, they're giving their child, their children back to the Lord. They're saying, God, we, we commit in raising them in the way of the Lord. Gwen, I'm going to ask you to say some words. Well, we have something for you, um, and it represents these little lives. So I'm just going to give these to, to Auntie and Grandma here. And so they represent that, that bud. They're, they're just, they're, you're just getting started, and you get to place your thumbprint, your spirit filled thumbprint on their lives and as their lives begin to open and unfold and you get to speak into their lives and you get to tell them what miracles that they are we just want you to know that the church comes alongside you we support you we're we're blessed to be a part of this miracle in your lives and um we're just thrilled with this journey along the way john this morning would you just stand with me? In, in just a few minutes after we pray, we're going to ask the worship team to come back up. And we're going to sing my favorite song. And, and the volleys have asked us to sing this song. Guess which one it is? A Waymaker, you know? <laughs> this week I was at a conference and I heard something that just grabbed my heart. The beautiful monarchs that are a lot of times born in, in Mexico. They will migrate all the way to Canada. And, and see, a lot of people go, yeah, I, I know that. But do you realize that it takes four generations to get there? Parents don't underestimate passing what God has done to you onto your children and to your children's children. That giving your children and their children an inheritance is more worth giving them the things of God than ever you could give them in money. Let's pray. Would you just again, just as a symbol, raise your hand out and just extend it as we pray. Father, today, these beautiful children, I pray for Maximilian, that God, that you would be all over his life from beginning, God, from right now, that, Father, that he would begin to walk in the ways of the Lord. That his parents would have courage and strength to begin to talk to him and, and to share with him as Anne-Marie. God, both of them as, Father, that your Holy Spirit is all over the Volley family. God, that they have seen your goodness. Father, that they have witnessed it. God, they have testified of it. 
And Father, now with bright eyes, they look out on a world that has just begun for them. And God, that the blessings to be upon them in this next generation. As Bruno and Mavi's mother has spoken into their life. Now God, Bruno and Mavi speak into their children's life. The goodness of God in the land of the living. We give you thanks. And we give these children back to you for such a wonderful gift that you have given us. In your wonderful name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen. Can the worship team come up at this time? Hallelujah. When we were praying, little Anne Marie was looking back at me like, God's good. I don't know if she was doing, but I know that she's going to receive that. Now this morning, we know that Naomi spoke out of her mouth what was not true about God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the message this morning in this song that says, God, this is who I say you are. This is who you are. Let it be known that we're a church that believes in the love of God. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise,
If you're going through things and this is a dark time in your life and you might be in all kinds of parts of your journey, you might be in the first part of it, not only in inquiry, but it didn't look very good in the future. But if you can just right now put your hope, remember, what, what, what are you hoping for? Because whatever you're hoping for, then you can have faith for. God will provide. And the love of God is here on you today. So I'm going to pray for you and wherever you are in your journey of this story. Allow God just to be God in your life. Will you? Let's pray. Father, you are a good God. And Father, even though we don't sometimes see it, sometimes we don't even feel it, and God, we want to quit. But today, we refuse to quit. We refuse to walk in the identity of bitterness. Mara. Depressed. Busted and disgusted over our future because God, we know you have provided. The future is bright. You're a loving God and you will provide a good future. Therefore, today, because we have hope in the future, Amen. we have power in the present. Amen. God, I pray blessings over these people. And as they see these two babies today as a sign of your goodness, Help them to identify and realize that that same goodness is for them. The same favor is walking and talking right around them, and it's on them. God, we're going to be thankful for it. And everybody in agreement of thankfulness say amen. 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 I'm going to again release you on the world. Go get them.